Hey guys, it's Adam. I wanted to talk to you really quick about Buzzsprout. Um, Buzzsprout's a place where you can get your own podcast launched and you can start today for free. I recently started using Buzzsprout and I got to tell you, it's fantastic. I was moving my uh, podcast from one host to another and I ran into a little bit of a snag, but guess what? Buzzsprout had me covered. They helped me out. They interacted with me over email. It was almost real-time chat, and they got my problem solved within minutes. So you can't pay for better tech support. I think the thing is, with most companies, if you get a good place that has good customer service and good support, you can't go wrong there. And they make it easy. It's not hard when you have the right partners like that and the right support like that. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed, and you can join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out into the world. So really, all you need is a quiet place, some gear you already have, like me, I'm using my phone right now and a, and a laptop, uh, and I'm getting this podcast out there, and I'm recording this, uh, this promo. So follow the link in the show notes, and that's going to let Buzzsprout know that I sent you. And if you sign up for a paid plan, it shows that you help support this podcast right here. I would really appreciate it. Hey, guys, thanks again, and back to the show. Hey, guys, it's Adam from Casper Dog Training with another episode of the podcast. I haven't done a uh, podcast in ages now, and I apologize. But, you know, life gets in the way, and I'm doing this on my spare time. Still training dogs every single day, including my own. And this episode is about why you should train every single breed, including the toy breeds and little dogs. It's a big thing that's going around. I think a lot of people um, look at a dog and they go, well, if it's over a certain amount of pounds or it's cer certain size, um, I should train it. And uh, they put way more effort into training the, the, the big dogs than they do the little dogs and the little dogs suffer. So that's what the episode's going to be about. Right now, I want to just uh, mention uh, my favorite CBD uh, company, Right CBD, R-Y-T-E-C-B-D.com. Um, tell them I sent you. And uh, they have great products for um, humans and for pets. So on with the podcast. So very often these days, I'll get contacted by a pet owner, a dog owner, that has a small breed dog that has all kinds of behavior issues, all kinds of be, uh, obedience problems or none at all. Um, a lot of them are very anxious, very destructive dogs, and also can actually be very aggressive. So one of the things that you definitely need to be aware of is no matter what breed of dog you have, you must train that dog. That dog should have some level of proficiency in basic obedience and be able to confidently um, respond to your commands in, um, you know, distracting environments. So many of these dogs too are the dogs that either never leave their home at all. And that's the one category that I see. Or the other category is the owner brings the dog everywhere, but the dog is terrified. The dog is is borderline aggressive, uh, fear aggressive at that because the humans literally took over the role as mommy and not leader, not guide, not handler. And I think it's a mistake. I think it's a giant mistake. Just because you have a, a, a 130 pound Rottweiler or a big Doberman or a shepherd of some sort, or even a golden retriever, even, even those uh, golden doodles, which in my opinion, 
they're not they're they're not a breed. They're a mutt. Okay, so a lot of people keep saying, you know, the what my dog's a a, a doodle. It's not it's not a real breed. Um, and a lot of those dogs need more training than than most because of their genetics. Anyway, a little bit of a, a digression there. If you have uh, a Pomeranian or a Chihuahua or um, you know even even some smaller breeds like a, like a Jack Russell, um, they're not babies. They're 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 also not accessories. They're not something that you just put in a purse or underneath your arm and p- prop up on a pillow somewhere and allow the dog to do whatever the dog pleases. Um, also, control your dog in some way. Um, you should do basic obedience just like every other dog owner. You should teach the dog how to have some impulse control. You should teach the dog um, to sit down, stay, go to your place, sleep in the crate and all that stuff. I don't understand why people um, decide only to deal with the, the small dog's obedience issues or behavior issues once it becomes a major problem. Now, I mean, um, I'm, I'm thinking like of some clients I've had in the past, you know, one in particular had multiple little dogs. Uh, they always bark through the whole house. They, two of them didn't match with each other and, and had, uh, um, uh, repeated fights and, um, actually has caused injury, um, on, on guests, family members, and, and also the owner. Um, and that's all because they they were treated like babies. They were carried places. If the dog was afraid, they were picked up. Um, they were allowed to do whatever they wanted um, in the house. They could jump on tables. They could jump on chairs. Um, they were actually boosted and picked up to, to beds and stuff like that, which is a major, major confusion for a dog. A dog wants structure. They want to make sure that they know that they can rely on you to make decisions that are going to make them feel safe. Now, I mean, if you take away your ability to direct the dog in what you want them to do, and they have no real confidence, really, they don't have any confidence in you, so they take matters in their own hands. So these little dogs I'm referring to, um, they're not sure of each other, so they fight each other. They've been exposed to each other only in a negative sense, and then the environment itself is constant chaos. There's no structure. You know, um, in cases like that, you know, the, the owners don't want to crate the dogs. They, they don't want to use leashes. Um, they don't want to do obedience training. They basically just want this little baby that they can pick up or really what they're looking for is a stuffed animal. They're not looking for an actual, um, actual companion pet. They want to take these dogs places, but for some reason, they don't think the dogs are capable of it. Listen, if you have a chihuahua, their brain is like smaller than a walnut, but they can do everything a German shepherd can do. Um, they are canine brains. I mean, maybe not all of them are as bold or as confident, or maybe physically can do some of the things like jump up onto objects and things like that. But who cares? The dog can still come when called. The dog can still make eye contact. The dog is able to down, sit, go to place, uh, spin, high five, whatever you want the dog to do. The dog can do it. It's just a matter of putting the time in and showing that. And I also see that there's a tendency of, of, types of people that gravitate towards these these dogs they're they're the types of people that usually are um a little bit more how do i say this a little more insecure or have some sort of need in their life that the dog is just trying to fill it's a mistake to put a lot of that onto a dog especially that tiny dog and then give the dog no option other than defend for themselves in social situations or just 
generally around the house. It's a mistake not to direct the dog into explaining to them what you want them to do and why you want them to do it. And and you'll reward them for the behaviors you want. And that really becomes uh, a, an important facet of owning one of these dogs. I think it, owning a dog is is one of the most important responsibilities that you can have because they can't advocate for themselves. They can't speak for themselves. So if you're put, putting your dog in a position where they're always going to be confused, they don't know what to do, but they know certain things work. Barking nonstop gets people to go away. Um, growling and, and, and showing teeth um, shows the, the back off. Don't touch me human. Um, you know, while being protective of an owner, they invent their own jobs. Just like if you had a Belgian Malinois or if you had uh, a, a Doberman and that dog didn't have any direction, the dog's going to protect things that they feel uh, imp- that they feel is important. And likewise, you know, most of these little dogs, they, they have uh, resource guarding issues. They're guarding their own bodies. They're, they don't want to be touched. So they'll, they'll snap at people. I mean, uh, you know, every, every, I think dog, every dog trainer at some point or another, um, crossed the boundary with a dog and didn't recognize a, a sign or you were just rushing and going too fast and you've been bitten by a small dog without question. I think it's one of those things. It's almost like a rite of passage. Everybody, everybody has to do it. But what I've seen through time is when you, when you actually train a little dog and you see that little dog walking down the street, like a French bulldog or something like that. And that dog is walking the way a uh, well-trained dog, like a, like, like a German shepherd. And the dog is confident and can approach people without jumping on them, without barking and, and growling or, or, you know, hiding behind the owner. You know, what I'm saying to you, you guys, is if, if you ever know anybody that has a small dog, beg them to get that dog trained because that dog's life will be so much better. I mean, every dog that has some sort of training, obedience training, some sort of impulse control, you know, issuing, having the dog understand, leave it, what leave it means. So, I mean, if some of you haven't listened to the, uh, the podcast from the beginning, and maybe you're skipping around a little bit. The leave it command for me is the most important, one of the most important commands because it's literally the the dogs uh, getting two pieces of information here. One, I don't want you to have that or do that, and the other is pay attention to me. I have something more valuable for you to do. So if the dog is barking at something and you tell the dog leave it, they turn and look at you and you reward that with food, with praise, with, with uh, affection, the dog's going to find that those words, when you say that dog's name and leave it, and the dog turns its head and gets rewarded for that. They disengage from that other thing and re-engage with you. You certainly should reward that. Start with your little dog today, if you have one of those, and do that. The dog's paying attention to something else, going after something else. And you say leave it, and the dirt, dog turns and you drop a high-value treat into that dog's uh, mouth, that dog will understand in a very short amount of time. If I hear my name and leave it, I better look at you because I'm going to get something that I want, something I need, and it feels better than doing that other behavior. A lot of uh, small dog reactivity can can be remedied by doing that and having a little bit of a recall. So then, then uh, you know, in the scenario of this little dog 
on one of these stupid flexi le- leashes. Um, by the way, um, I, I saw a joke or a meme a while back about dog training with a flexi lead. You know, that's the ones that have the little spool and the button on the top of it. And the leash goes out, you know, 10, 20 feet, and then it clicks and hits the end and you can never reel it back in. To me, it's a completely worthless uh, tool. So the, the meme I saw was um, instructions on how to use a flexi lead. And it's like, step one, throw it in the garbage. That's really it. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's junk. But if you have your, your little dog on one of those things, you know, you don't necessarily have to throw it away just because my opinion of it is, is negative. Realize though, the dog gets at the end of that leash. You have to recall that dog, but you have to start with teaching the dog to turn and look at you and be rewarded for that. Now, I mean, I don't care if you use the words leave it or you were, you use something else. Um, you know, many can argue that there's a different way of saying it. Yeah, fine. Any way you want to do it, but you got to get that dog's attention. And when you do, you should reward it every single time until the dog knows it flawlessly. The dog hears their name and they're turning around and they're basically on their way to you. So that's usually why I do this, the, this engagement command that I don't use the words come or hear that go along with this. And one of the uh, stories I tell a lot of my clients is uh, my dog, Allie, the Belgian Malinois. She is the quintessential uh, guard dog when it comes to people coming to my house. She has access to the front of the house. She can look out the window. And if we get any kind of delivery or any kind of visitor, she alerts us by barking. Now, this is a normal behavior. And I, I, I allow it because... She's allowed to be a dog sometimes. So she's barking at the mailman. And if I tell her, Allie, leave it, she turns her head. The next thing I do is recall her. And when I was training her, the recall command I gave was touch. And I would put my right hand down by my knee. So the dog would come run over to me, boop their nose against my hand. I would reward the the dog with the treat that was in my hand, my right hand. And with my left hand, I would start petting her around her collar. The reason I was doing that was to get the dog to come back for their attention and affection and praise and food. And then I would control them and direct her into the position I wanted her to be in. I didn't necessarily have to drag her or manhandle her at that point. Usually she disengaged from that. But I don't use the words come or here because inevitably at some point in in my life with her or our life together, however you, however, however you want to think about it, she's out in the backyard and she's rolling around in, you know, deer poop. And I don't want her to do that. So in a moment of just not thinking, you blurt out the dog's name and you scream the words, come, get over here, come here right now. And the dog still persists. Why would the dog want to come to you when you're angry? Why would the dog want to come to you when they know that the, the fun's going to be over And that's a form of punishment. Instead, teach your dog, when you hear, leave it, stop doing what you're doing. Look at me. I have something for you to do. Come to me. That's a big dog I'm talking about. This is a a 55, 60 pound shepherd. Now, there's no reason why you can't do that with a nine pound dog. And the reason why I'm saying this is, you're going to be doing this if, if you have a, a, a nine-pound golden retriever it, it, that's eight weeks old. Who cares? You know, you're going to be doing the same thing with each dog. I don't know why we stop with the small breeds thinking that they can't, they can't do it somehow. It doesn't make sense to me. 
So this podcast is all about sending the message out there. You've got to train your dog. And training that kind of dog is the same way you would train every other dog. I know it, it seems like really hard to, to control like in a classroom setting, but I would actually say to you, um, if you have a small dog, get a private lesson. Even one will help. And having that dog at least understand how to engage with you, make eye contact, come to you, and at least track your hands with some sort of engagement where you're luring the dog with food and rewarding the dog for their attention, it, it becomes a game changer for that dog's life. And then you can bring that dog into more social situations. You know, I realize that some of these uh, smaller breeds, they're very sensitive to noise, to uh, high activity, um, just high traffic in front of them, high distraction. That's natural. But train your dog in the environment that they're in. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of these scenarios where you have a little dog that nonstop barking at guests, have a dog that is, uh, uh, you know, just barking for the sake of barking, barking to get attention, barking to get food, barking to get affection. Um, they're figuring out all the wrong ways to get what they want and they, and they're achieving it. And every time the owner reaches down, picks the dog up, starts patting the dog, saying nice things to them, giving it affection, rewarding it with food. Um, or in, in some cases where the dog doesn't know what to do and they're insecure, they'd rather be with you and you pick them up and reward them for growling, snarling, lunging, barking, and being inappropriate with, uh, with guests or, or other people. It's, it's very problematic. And some of these dogs don't even leave the house. You know, um, I've, I've tried to dissuade people from only doing pad training with their smaller dogs. And I've heard, oh my God, I've heard so many different uh, accounts of, well, it's cold outside and I don't want to bring her outside because it's too cold and she'll freeze to death. Listen, put a coat on the dog if you need to. I mean, um, I, I also was like pleading with uh, some families that lived in really nice big houses beautiful yards and um, areas where the dog could safely be, that it's too cold for them to go outside. You know, if it's too cold for you to go outside, then you know what? You shouldn't go outside, but you shouldn't have an animal either because, you know, nature, these dogs were not designed to, you know, live in a, in a house that's constantly 78 degrees. And, you know, if you think anything under the 78 degrees is freezing, well, you know, you're in the wrong climate, first of all, but also your dog doesn't want to eliminate in their own home. They don't want to eliminate. And it's, and the complaint, it's just cyclic. They'll, they'll come back over and over again and say, well, the, the dogs, uh, it won't pee on the pee pads anymore. and just goes anywhere. They feel like, yeah, cause the whole, the whole house is a bathroom to the dog and you never enforced any boundaries and you never taught the dog anything. Now, I mean, that's where I come in to start putting those, uh, those boundaries down and establishing some rules and routines and actually give the dog some sort of uh, communication skills that you ask something of the dog and the dog knows that they can do, they can accomplish it. And when they do and they get rewarded, they're emboldened by that and they want to do more. And then you can build off of that. That relationship becomes much, much more steady. So if you're, if, if you know anybody that's going out and going to get a small breed or a toy breed, um, you know, encourage them to train the dog. I would definitely want that dog, uh, trained 
in private and then have some sort of classroom uh, uh, training along with socialization. Um, keep your little dog out of dog parks. Um, keep all dogs out of dog parks. I think they're awful. And most of the people that bring dogs to dog parks are inattentive. They don't know how to um, drain the energy out of dogs. And that's very problematic. And most of the people that do that do go to dog parks are the ones that just want to dump their dog off for an hour. And so they can ignore the, the whole world and uh, either socialize with the other dog owners or just play around with their phone. So this is, uh, this is the thing with, with small dogs. Show them what you need. Uh, reward them from what you want. And be able to socialize them in some way. You know, uh, I think it's it's a real shame to have a dog that's, you know, is an animal that never goes outdoors, eliminates indoors, it's very confusing, and then there's no structure. You know, if this was a big dog, people would very quickly jump to, oh, that's cruel, and you shouldn't have that dog, we should take that dog away from you. But for some reason, if it's a, if it's a little dog, that it's okay. And, you know, one other point that I've I've gotten and I had to make to to clients within the last couple of years is a dog is not a cat. Um, cats, certain cats can be indoor cats and live their whole lives indoors and they're fine. They eliminate in their kitty litter and in their little box and they're, they're satisfied with that. As long as it's cleaned and kept clean and neat, um, the, the cat's perfectly happy. And I've had people almost beg me to teach their dog to go into a litter box or go on pads indefinitely. And, um, you know, I understand, you know, if you're in a city setting and your veterinarian says, listen, until your dog's gotten X number of shots, we're not going to, uh, I don't want you to bring the dog outside. And the fear is the dog's going to get some sort of bacterial, viral, or, or uh, a, a disease that uh, circulates through the animal community. That makes sense to me. But, you know, you absolutely should pursue the goal of having the dog eliminate outside every single time. I think it's a very big mistake and a very strong, bizarre message that goes to a dog that's um, very uncomfortable for them. And I think that's where a lot of that um, impulsiveness and anxiety comes from with some of these dogs. So it's about all I have to say on the topic today. Um, I'm going to be trying to get some more podcasts out there. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Remember, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Casper and buy me a coffee for a little free training advice. Um, I'm going to be producing a couple more podcast episodes coming up. I have a couple of good ideas, things that'll be useful for everybody. And I want to thank everybody for listening and following along. Um, Please follow, share, or um, give a couple rating stars to, uh, to the podcast. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you all. Be well. Take care of yourselves. And cheers.